Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hello, Lunch and Learn community. I am your host, Dr. Barry, doing this week's episode from Chicago, Illinois. I'm actually up here for the American College of Internists Conference, and specifically we're doing a focus on residency trainers, and that's kind of the uh, topic at hand this uh, week. We're going to be talking about whether off you're better off with, with an academic doctor versus a regular community doctor. Like always, this is episode 64, so if you want my show notes, please head over to drpierresblog.com forward slash LLP. 064 or just go over to lunchlearnpod.com and you'll get access to all of my uh, episodes um, from the podcast. And if you not have a chance, go ahead and check out episode 63, uh, The Rejuvenated Physician is Back, uh, where I talk about my last week's endeavor. Actually, I've been doing a lot of traveling this month uh, where I, know I was in Atlanta uh, with the Momentum of the Medicine Conference, right? So go ahead. That's another great episode. I want you to check that out. Uh, but this week, we're talking about academic doctor versus your community doctor and who you're better off with. Right? Like always, empower yourself for better health here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Stay tuned for another great episode. All right, so this week I am in the city of Chicago, beautiful city, but for those who know me, I've been a Florida boy all my life, and it's cold up here, y'all. Like, when I say cold, it's about the 30s and 40s uh, throughout the, the day, right? Like, middle of the day, it's like 40-degree weather, uh, wind is blowing, freezing. Uh, there's like a, it's it's going to dip, I think, below the 40s even before uh, the night is over. So, again, definitely much colder than I expect. Usually, I think right now in Palm Beach, it's like 70 degrees outside, right? So, uh, definitely something I always have to get adjusted to when I'm going out of town, just dealing with other people's weather. Because when you're in Florida and you're born and raised in Florida, you tend not to want to go anywhere. But I came for a good reason, right? So, I am here for the ACY American College of Internists Conference, uh, specifically the residency trainers uh, to meetings, right? It's a two-day uh, meetings where I'm learning from all of the program directors uh, across the country in their, in their respective internal medicine programs. And we're just kind of learning how to be better program directors and really how to have better programs, right? And going to a meeting like this kind of hits me because for a, a lot of the stuff I do, right, I, I came from a background where I went to Nova Southeastern University, right, which their focus was really on, you know, trying to get more primary care doctors out there, right? And then I went to a community residency where there were six of us, uh, you know, every year, right? So it was a pretty small program. And I went into outpatient medicine right out of residency, right? So I've always been very community focused, right? Uh, but along that line, right, along in my community endeavors and wanting to say the community and, you know, be the next Gaston Pierre, right, for those who uh, are from Lake Worth, you know who Dr. Gaston Pierre is. There's always been this itch, right, this itch to want to do academics, right, and want to exceed in academics, right, because unfortunately in our community, especially the minorities, um, we're needed everywhere, right? Like we're needed in the community, we're needed in academics. We're needed in politics. Like, as a physician, especially minority physician, we're kind of needed in so many different places, right, that I didn't want to kind of shut myself off 
only doing the community side, right? So I have always had this itch to want to do academic medicine. And so that was why right when I got out, you know, I was working with medical students and residents. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, with the grace of God and uh, a few other great people, um, I ended up becoming a program director, right? So every now and then I'm reminded that, yes, I'm really, you know, involved with the academic side when it comes to medical education, especially graduate medical education uh, for my residents and even my medical students. And, you know, this conference kind of hits it right at the bat, right? Like, of course, I go into this room where... I think there's about 50 of us, but of course, I'm one of the youngest looking ones out there because, you know, there's not that many program directors who are 35 years old, unfortunately. And, you know, just hearing all of their ideas and seeing what works, seeing what's not working for other programs is definitely something that I'm able to draw in and and enjoy because, again, I, I do love that fact that I am having a direct hand, right? Not even indirect. I have a direct hand at building up the doctors of the future, right? So that's, you know, that's something, a feeling that I absolutely love and something that's absolutely amazing for me to do. But then I remember that, hey, I do love this community medicine, right? Like, and even in the position I'm in now, right, as a program director, right, I don't see myself doing this forever, right? Um, You know, maybe like three, five years, right? And then I'll go back to the community because that is something I love. I do love the uh, the aspect of being able to take care of community and, you know, kind of being recognized for that. But I do understand the importance of what it means to be an academic physician, right? And I think a lot of times, especially uh, in the, you know, the general public, right? We don't really understand uh, that there is a, a huge delineation on physicians who go into academic uh, medicine versus just the regular, you know, community, you know, private practice base, right? And there's a lot of different pros and cons, right? I, I can tell you right off the bat, right, especially as a academic physician, right, you know, that you're not, and you know, this is probably big for me, right, you're not really going into a field where you're probably going to be an owner, right? You'll probably always have some employer above you, uh, again, being able to, you know, dictate your schedule, dictate what you do, how you do it, when you do it, right? And for a lot of people, that's okay, right? For a lot of people, you know, they're kind of content with that. You know, that's not it. That's usually not an issue. Uh, but for some reason, for, for a lot of others, right, you know, that's not something that they can really, you know, jive with, right? Like they want to be their own boss, right? They want to be able to make their own rules, right? They want to be able to go where they need to go. And sometimes that kind of gets comes clashing uh, when you when you talk to you know medical students and even residents uh, when you ask them why do they want if they want to even pursue this line of medicine right and you know the big thing again you know me I'm I've never been shy to say this right the finances definitely play a big role in whether a physician right especially a resident comes out of residency and goes the academic route right uh, because academic physicians really don't get paid much right they don't get paid much in comparison to their community and their private practice co-workers right in that regards right so that's something that they always have to think about especially if we're carrying on so many loans right like again i got friends who got two hundred thousand three hundred thousand four hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans right so they really have to start thinking especially when we're talking about career choices of what can I possibly do, right, that's going to be able to pay some of that back as quickly as possible, right? So that's always, you know, an uphill battle that you have to fight, right? Now, some of the good things, right, especially with academic medicine, right, is you tend to be up to date, right? I can tell you my residents and my medical students, they're always challenging me uh, to continue to read and continue to get better, continue to stay up to date, right? Because if uh, if I'm not, you know, they'll let me know that I'm not, right? So, you know, they'll, they'll kind of force you to kind of be, you know, up to date 
know, what's going on in the medical community and medical education and, uh, you know, up-to-date research and all of these things here, uh, you know, just to try to, you know, obviously kind of keep up with the times, right? So those are some demands that, you know, as a community physician, you may not necessarily want to have to worry about, right? You may not necessarily want to know about every suit, every single new journal article that comes out, right? Like that, I unfortunately have to do, right? You may not want to have to know about every new test that there's, there is to run, right? You, again, when you're a community physician, you're kind of in your own world and you're able to kind of practice medicine, you know, as your world fits, right? Where they, unless, Except when you're an, an academic, right? An academic, you can't really kind of stray as far as you may want uh, because everyone else is kind of doing the same thing, right? So it's a little bit more, uh, my uh, old attending, right, would say like, kind of cookie cutter, right? Like it's, you got to do it this kind of regimented way. And if you don't do it that regimented way, you know, something can happen, right? So whether it be your residents calling you out or your medical students calling you out, right? Or even your other colleagues, uh, calling out right so this there's this dilemma right especially when you talk to uh, other you know academic physicians right where they almost have this sense of i would say like superiority right over the community physicians right and uh, of course uh, being a community physician right that's definitely not something that i you know take very lightly right because i don't think just because i don't necessarily read every new england journal every gem all these you know, articles and stay up to date 100%, right? That all of a sudden the way I teach and practice medicine is any worse off than the person who's maybe just all they do is teach medical students or all they do is teach residents and that's how they kind of uh, move forward to get along, right? So I've, ha- I've had spirited uh, discussions uh, with some of my, uh, I'd call them academic doctors, right? who really feel that uh, their level of care is better uh, than uh, the community physicians, right? And, you know, that's something that I just uh, totally believe is false, right? But I think as a patient, right, you know, if you're in a lunch and learn community, right, you know, that's something I think you may want to know, right? Like, that's maybe something of interest to you, right? Especially when you're choosing a physician or you're choosing a subspecialist uh, to go to, right? And you're, you're, you're talking about expertise, right? I think a lot of times, you know, we think all physicians are created equal when they're not, right? Like, again, you know, a person who got all C's in their class is still a physician, right? So, again, there, there's different ways to kind of separate them and, you know, see if your doctor's better than the other, right? And this may be a question uh, that you may want to ask your doctor, right? Because, again, I think as a lunch and community member, right, I think you should always be empowered, right, to ask questions, right? I think that's the most powerful tool that we have as a, as a patient, right? Because, again, even though I'm a physician, right, I'm a patient when I walk into uh, my doctor's office, right? And just asking questions is some of the most powerful tool that we can use, right? So I always try to encourage you guys to ask the questions where it may be. So what are some questions you may want to ask, right, your physician, right? Just to kind of gauge, you know, whether this person is an academic versus community physician, right? You want to ask him, right, are you involved in teaching, right? Are you involved in uh, teaching medical students? Are you involved in teaching residents, right? Are you involved in uh, the local uh, educational uh, facilities, whether it be a medical school or even um, a high school where they're volunteering or a teacher? Like, you know, how involved are you in that aspect of medicine, right? Uh, because, again, I know a lot of them who they're so busy with their community practice, right? They don't necessarily have time to, you know, teach medical students and teach residents, right? Or they don't have time to do hospital rounds, right? Because, you know, they're busy, right? And I 100% understand that. This, and the same thing can be said when you flip it, right, for the academic doctor, right? Where, you know, they may have all of the time in the world 
uh, to take care of medical students and take care of medical residents and do hospital rounds and teach at uh, the colleges, right? But they may not have a busy patient load as what you expect, right? And, you know, that, that kind of lends the ear, right? Like they're seeing, you know, technically less patients, right, than your community doctor, right? So, you know, how much of their community, you know, medical knowledge is there, right, versus, you know, what they read in the books, right? And I used to, t I tell my medical students and my residents all the time, uh, you can read all you want in a book uh, until that person walks into your office, right? Until your person walks into your ER and you got to actually talk to that person, right? Like that's really uh, the goal at hand, right? When we read these books, um, yeah, they're great, right? For, you know, getting a foundation, right? But you still got to talk to the patient. And I, I think that's where your medical knowledge, you know, skyrockets, right? When you're actually talking to the patient, right? So imagine this physician, right? The community physician, right? The one who sees patients left and right, left and right, seeing them all throughout the day. And they've seen almost every different scenario there is. And you have this academic physician who may not see as many patients and who, who may have uh, not as much, who may not have as much experience seeing as many patients, dealing with as many patients, dealing with as many patient scenarios, right? That's a question you have to ask, right? And I just want a quick caveat, right? Especially for those who, you know, may have a doctor who has medical students or residents in in their office, right? Please allow them, you know, to, to examine you and uh, sit in during the, the examination with your doctor, right? Because I can tell you, and, you know, I'll, I'll do a quick little soapbox, right, before we get on with the show, right? I remember being a medical student, and as a medical student, I did not do a pap smear, right? I did not do a pap smear until I was a fourth year medical student, right? And for those who, you know, may not know how the scheduling works, right, when you're, especially at most of the traditional schools, right, you do about two years in the classroom, and in your last two years, you're in a hospital, or you're in a uh, private practice offices. Most people get all of their pap smears and get that stuff out the way early, right? Like that's usually, you know, once you do family medicine or OB, but I used to always get kicked out the rooms, right? You know, people never felt comfortable uh, with me being in the room, right? And as a medical student, of course, you can't argue, you can't get mad. You just say, okay, that's fine. Uh, but understanding that, you know, you guys are essentially kind of taking away from my learning, right? So I ended up going a whole year, right? A whole year where women's health was the last thing I did, right? So what do you think, uh, my career choice was, right, when it was time to pick a career choice, I wasn't going to choose a career where I had to do anything with women's health, right? I hadn't seen anything of it. And my only memory of women's health was me getting kicked out of the rooms, right? So again, if you're a doctor, right, has medical students, has medical residents, you know, students in general in there, please let them, you know, examine you and be in a room while they're doing it, right? Just so we can, you know, try to prepare our, our future clinicians, right? So that's, again, that's off my soapbox, right? Back on the topic at hand right so are you better off with that academic doctor right I can play both sides of the field right because I've done both sides right like I came out a residency doing I came out of a community uh, residency doing community medicine right and now I'm in academics right so now I'm doing academic medicine I'm still doing hospital in inpatient stuff um, but I'm not doing any outpatient medicine, right? So if you had to ask me, right, if I had to choose, right, which doctor would I rather have, right? I, you know, I think it's uh, more of a combination, but I'd probably lean, lean towards more of that community physician, right? Uh, because again, they see a lot more patients, right? They, they understand their population and they just know how to treat, right? Um, 
again, if I was, you know, but I'm not, again, I'm not the best, the best type A uh, type person, right? You may think, right? Like I know a lot of type A patients, right? Who, you know, they're the ones who Google everything. They're the ones who read everything before they walk into the office, right? Those are the types who I would probably prefer you go to like an academic doctor, right? Like I need you to go to one of those doctors who they're just as well read on the newest uh, nutritional supplements and natural vitamins and everything under the sun, right? They may be just as up to date as you are on those things, right? Whereas your community physician may not necessarily be on it, right? And then with that, you avoid the bumping of heads, right? Because you may know something that your physician doesn't know, and your physician usually isn't going to be willing to learn it just for you, right? So those are the type of people I definitely encourage. Find you a doctor who loves academics, who uh, is all about the academic aspect of medicine, and you go over there, right? Especially if you're one of those patients who uh, love to, you know, be up to date on everything, right? So it's not like I don't want my physicians to have to pick and choose, right? Like, I think you are able to go ahead and do both. And I, I want to understand that you can do both and you can be both successfully, right? Um, you can be a little bit of academics, right? You can be a little bit of community medicine, right? You can also be a little bit of that health uh, policy doc, right? Because I'm telling you, we need them everywhere, right? And, you know, I think that, right, will make the better experience, right? Especially for uh, my Lunch and Learn community uh, listeners, right? When you got a physician who uh, knows enough about the community, so they're in, in tune with what's going on in their community, right? Knows enough about academics, right? So they're in tune with what's the most up-to-date information, right? And definitely, especially in this climate, knows about the health policy, right? And understands that uh, a lot of things that happen up in D.C., right, can affect you down here in uh, Lake Worth or up here where I'm recording this in Chicago. Uh, so definitely important to uh, really be on the ball and, you know, you know, be as judicious as possible when choosing your doctor. Right. Uh, because this is a lifelong contract. We hope. Right. This is a lifelong contract that you sign. Right. When you say, you know what, this is going to be my doctor and, you know, I'm going to put my my health and this guy's or gal's hand. Right. So definitely important uh, to make the right decision. So again, I just wanted to do a quick recap again on uh, this ATY conference. This absolutely was an amazing conference. Again, I've had back-to-back conferences in the past couple of weeks. Uh, both of them uh, are on different spectrums, but both of them uh, definitely satisfy the soul uh, when it comes to enriching uh, my medical and just knowledge in general. And like always, remember, empower yourself for better health with Dr. Barry. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. Please head over to lunchlearnpod.com where you'll get the most recent episodes as well as today's show notes for your listening and viewing pleasure. And like always, depending on where you're listening this to, please subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the latest episodes sent directly to you. And we are at all of your favorite podcast listening stations, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. Again, thank you for taking the time to listen and empower yourself to take control of your health. And we'll see you next week.